When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Yule's 2019 debut album, Serotonin 2, opened a portal to a heavily digitized dream pop world. The project of Singapore-born, London-based artist Nat Shamil, Yule arrived as a fully formed avatar of sorts, trying to trace human experience through the synapses of the internet. On Glitch Princess, out this week, they're re-entering that splintered electronic realm. Their second album inquisitively probes the dark crevices of personal identity and body image. It's a challenging piece of work, but one that doesn't shy away from bold pop moments. Last week, the fader Salvatore Mackie caught up with Yule to discuss the evolution of their persona, collaborating with Japanese artist Toji, and the synthetic elements that informed the creation of Glitch Princess. Welcome to the Fader Podcast. This week I'm here with Yule. Yule, how are you today? Hi, Sal. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Where are you posted these days? Are you in London? I am. I'm in the United of Kingdoms. I just moved back here in um in September last year. So I'm here now. Where did you move from? Oh, I was living back in my hometown in Singapore for a while. I was actually planning to make like a creative studio space there, but I got a lot of um, stuff going on here in London. So I just decided to move back. Got it. Got it. Were you able to kind of move back and forth throughout the past few years? Or was that a place that you had to kind of station out in? I went to uni in London. I went to Central St. Martins. So I've been here since 2016. And I would visit my, my family every Christmas. Every year, I just go like once back to Singapore. But I think since the pandemic, it was just better for me to be with my family. Yeah, so I took a bit of a break from being in the UK. I've always been out and about, though. Like, I'm always around both cities. I hate to always bring it back to the pandemic just because I feel like it's all that anyone ever talks about or, like, you know, brings conversations back. But did the time away from London change your perspective on London? I think I romanticized London a little bit when I was away. When I was in Singapore, I, I really missed it, you know? And I was like, fuck, I really miss my friends. I really miss the neighborhood that I was living in, like in East London, just thinking about summers in the UK. It was so beautiful, you know? But then when I got back here, I was like, 
it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> we all do this a lot. I think when we lack something in our lives, we kind of put it on a pedestal a bit or it warps in our brain to become something so fantastical. But then when you experience it again, it's exactly as it was. And I think romanticization is really interesting that way you know well i'm glad you're back and i'm glad that glitch princess is almost out in the world finally god damn thank you <laughs> this record's kind of taken a minute piece by piece to exist and and now that you know the puzzle is almost complete how does that feel have you ever seen historically what alchemy is or how alchemy magic practices have been documented in history i feel like as an artist or a creative who makes works that are full-fleshed and conceptual and really in-depth, creating these universes, these worlds that are so specific in my head, I manifest it over a period of time. I feel like an alchemist in a way. And Glitch Princess was just one of those spells that I created that opened a portal. Because these projects take so long to make, we are constantly evolving as people and as creators we are always changing ever changing like chameleons so i feel like i've already gone through that portal i can see it through my mind's eye through like vast blue skies and hazy clouds full of neon shards of glass that are shaped like hexes and just symbols of what i use to make this magic these magic spells i can see it through the long path that I've been traveling through you know so it's sort of like every time I release something out to the world it's like little rings through a void of space and Glitch Princess is just one of those rings that I can see from afar but it's really nice to see that the portal to the world has been opened and it now can be witnessed by other human beings and hopefully entities who are non-human too I feel like the higher dimensional entities see it first, though. That's such a staggering and poignant way to describe this music and how it viscerally impacts the listener. I would like to kind of go back to the beginning of the project as a whole with My Name is Nat Shamil, which came out just over a year ago. It's such an interesting track because it reckons with the binary or perhaps lack thereof between Nat and Ewell. I'm curious how that started to develop. When I was 14, I liked to pretend that I was a 30-year-old woman on the internet. I always liked to pretend to be a bit older. So I had to conceal my identity by creating the pseudonym. And Natural was one of the oldest pseudonyms that I've came up with. And I sort of developed a relationship with Natural My real name is actually Natasha. Natural was just one of them. It was on my fake ID too. And I had other characters like older Yule fans would know this character I made called Penelope. And there was another one called Matilda. But I sort of like streamlined it now because it's confusing me a little bit. The idea of personas have always been really freeing for me because you don't get trapped in one body or like one identity. But I like to ensure that I know that it's still me and I'm not just playing a role or acting out something that is not authentic. I think Yule was... One of those names, apart from Natchamil, even though Natchamil is a pseudonym, I think Yule means more to me as a caricature of my persona because of how I existed on the internet as Yule. 
uh, on Tumblr and, you know, just other forums that I used to be part of when I was younger on MMORPGs as well. I played games like Terra Online and Mabel Story and I was always Yule with a bunch of numbers stringed at the back. I was Yule 343 and Maple and I was like Yule 616 and, you know, it's just like Yule 401 and when I started the music project, I just thought if people knew me from these environments, they would know it's me. So it's sort of like a beacon of, hey, if you've seen me in these spaces before, you'll know it's me. And I actually had a really amazing experience with Pretty Bones when I released that video. A bunch of online friends commented on the video saying that uh, they recognized my name and they didn't know that was me now. So it's sort of like connecting, you know? I think separating that Shamil and you, there's actually not much separation. It's just when I was writing that song, it was just stripping it back down to basics of what do I know about myself now? Because I sometimes get really lost about identity and I get lost about what myself entails. That's why I'm really into this idea of like being a cyborg or like non-existent and fleshed. But I carry so many lines of connection to different realms of existence. And my name is Nakshamil just turned out to be one of those confessional sort of... I think it's also very temporal because it doesn't relate to me now because I'm 24 and at the time I, was, I said I'm 22 and I might not necessarily be into the things that I said that I was into before, like sweet things or ballet where you're ever-changing and it's nice to have an imprint of a time where it did make sense. It's like an imprint of history. That's crazy because I was actually about to ask you, you know, you're 24 now, but you were 22 in that song. Um, take me back to that time. What was that year like for you? When I turned 22, it was um, 2019, end of 2019. Whoa, time is weird, isn't it, Sal? <sighs> you're telling me. I feel like I'm still 16 in my head. You know, I'm supposed to feel like an adult. I pay my taxes. I go to the doctor's appointment without my mom. <laughs> I pay rent. I'm doing adult things, but I, I feel like I'm I'm just thrown straight into the pit. 2019 and to 2020 was a bit of a blur. I was in a Polish film as well in September of 2020. So that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I got COVID tested like every other day because we were on set in Poland and Sweden. Yeah. We went to Ustad and um, Brotov and Sunovska. Was that after the album had already wrapped? No, I was finishing three more songs in Poland, working remotely with my co-producer, Danny. I was sending him stuff while I was in Poland. <laughs> it's like, hey, Danny, I know I'm not in London right now, but like, could you help me see whether... Like, I always ask Danny for like sonic advice because Danny has a really amazing ear for beautiful sounds and sometimes I feel like I'm tripping balls or like because I had ego death recently so I feel really empty inside sometimes and I can't really perceive things I don't know whether I'm perceiving things right my mom says I've always been like a daydreamer I was never existing in reality that's what she always says so I think that's partially true like I'm just always like kind of dazed out I don't know I feel like if I didn't get any responses from everyone who's talked about my music like and said things about the work that I make, I wouldn't have a point of reference to what the work I make looks, sounds, feels, or experiences like, because I just make it fearlessly. Sometimes I, I do question it, but I believe that purity and perfection is created through something imperfect, 
out of chaos. I think the main reason for my obsessions with glitches and uh, imperfection in general is interlinked with my obsession with perfection. I'm obsessed with both ends, you know. The perfectionism is a curse that made me look the other way so that I can see how something can be created that's more pure. Through making this project, did you come to evolve any of those, I guess, fixations on perfectionism? Or did you come away from it with a different perspective on that? As you get older, you kind of understand yourself a bit more when it comes to the darker sides of the self. I think mental illness is one of those topics that should be talked about a bit more. And if you have an audience, you should make made it be known, let it be known that it's um, incredibly normal to have specific struggle. Um, I might not have what you have, but, you know, in a way, nobody's perfect. And as I got older, it's not like I've embraced my problems or embraced that my obsession with something might be hurting me rather than helping me it's more of like i see it through a different lens or interesting how you said fixation though because i think the fixation is is quite limiting in that you're too focused on one side of the cube when there's so many other sides that you could be looking through or even outside of it you know that's why they call it a toxic fixation i used to not even be able to release music or like a song because there's like a second where my vocal cracked or like I was singing key and like okay easy fix auto tune <laughs> and then another issue I used to always have was um I would pronounce my s's like s and my t and like too intense so I got a pop shield for that but then um you know you start build after when you're in music production for a long time you just start building all of these professional equipment up and it becomes this like fortress of a it becomes a bit stressful for me sometimes to go to the desk and sit and make music at the studio like sometimes the best things i make are like in my bed holding like a zoom recorder and i'm just like singing into it looking into like the backs of my eyelids I don't know, it's really about the space that you create around you. But obviously, I mean, for a professional sound, you do want to get to the studio. I would recommend that. I mean, don't don't get me wrong yet. <laughs> but I think it's just me being okay with having drafts inside some of the songs and being okay with that. Or like my CPU not being able to handle it and Ableton is like clipping things out of the audio and I, I just keep it in there because like it sounds good. Even Danny was like, actually, yeah, that actually sounds really good. And like, yeah, you know, that wasn't on purpose. You know, that was just my computer being like blowing up because I had like Diva running with Jupiter all at once. And I had, like 60 tracks and like, I didn't even like freeze and flatten any of those tracks. And I just like, let it go, like run. Oh, my God. Wait, which of these tracks did that occur in? I was I don't know if you could tell, but I had like a, a piece of candy in my mouth when I was uh, saying the words uh, for my name is Nat Jamil. You can actually, if you listen carefully, you can actually hear me swishing the candy around in my mouth. For Too Dead Inside, I um, it was recorded with three different mics and I had to use many different plugins to make it sound all like the same mic because like, I was writing that song like going all over the place and I just couldn't get to 
<laughs> can record it properly and uh for friendly machine you can hear this uh, in the beginning this like kind of like a kind of sounds like glitter i like to say that it sounds like glitter but then you can hear this thing that's like buzzing in the background and that was actually by accident but i just kept it because because it sounded beautiful unconventional and that it's very messy but it's well mixed you know it's well mixed chaos and that's what i think uh, i really uh, would hate if i was like 20 year old me and <laughs> listening to it be like that's this is not perfect enough like it doesn't sound clean but at the same time it's like i have a love for um, noise music as well so i think part of that love for noise and industrial sounds and you know just horrible sounds feedback everything like i think it's beautiful it's kind of comforting you know almost i've been really obsessed with sirens as well you can hear a lot of sirens in my covers record like just sounds that make you your fight fight or flight activate i love that that's so beautiful and that's so true to i feel like the title of glitch princess you know embracing the serendipity of the cragginess and the grotesque and those sharper edges that's so powerful and and to to know that friendly machine is comprised of something that wasn't necessarily planned just kind of came out that makes the song a little even more special to hear now i think poetry is a huge part of my work as well i used to take so long just to decide what words i want to put into the song and i would write 18 different versions of this poetry but you know with don't be so hard on your own beauty it was just one shot like a diary entry and i just sang it with my one of my best friends kinlyon who was on the guitar i showed him the tuning for the guitar i was like oh my god kin i love this tuning it's it's an open d but it's with an it's with an f sharp so it's d a d f sharp a d and like i i love playing the sandy alex g plays this tuning all the time and he was like yeah it's so nice like oh my god you know what else is in this song my bloody valentine some of it's in this tuning as well it's like oh yeah true and then we start playing around during the pandemic and then i was like hey you know what you want to see something really personal I showed him this entry that I wrote about being lost in the Barbican and then he was there to like pick me up when I was like dissociating because I was lost in there. He it just felt like he was like an angel, you know, just sweeping over me and like carrying me out of the dark place and I was like, "Yeah, so I wrote this little ditty and he's like, "Why don't you sing it over this?" And then we just did that and I feel like that was the purest form of like songwriting I've ever done. It's just the first try, you know, when you get it right first try, it's, 
it's one of a kind, one of a kind of a feeling. It's when you curate it too much, yeah, it becomes a bit impure. To go back to don't be so hard on your own beauty, I just love the little bit of sweetness that that song imparts and the timeline of this record. It just feels staggering, you know, in the progression of the record to suddenly cut to that and then cut out of it. And I'm equally intrigued, obviously, and, and enamored by the video, which is also such a pure expression of a feeling. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, talk me through the formation of that video. How did you choreograph it? It's almost painful to watch, like a physical, like, ouch, like you you were moving. I was actually really lucky to have Joy, who's one of my good friends. We were hanging out a lot in Singapore in my little studio that I rented out. And we would just sit around and talk about video ideas and what are some beautiful images that we would want to create. And we were just talking about this idea of time being linear and the experience of time and time being a human experience in the fourth dimension. Both of us are really obsessed with like aliens and entities and just, you know, a high dimensional thing so we were like what if we play around with time for the next one or play around with him the limits of what the human mind can comprehend and i was like yeah i'll do it i'm kind of like crazy in a way crazy enough to okay i'm gonna memorize this song backwards and i'm gonna do whatever it takes for me to memorize it whatever technique i'm just gonna do it so i recorded myself singing it forwards and then i put the video of me recording it with the lip movements you know record it so i could see the lip movements and then i put it through premiere pro and reversed it and then i did subtitles for it for what it sounded like so and then i just learned it so it's like it sounds like that so i was like i uh, wrote it down and then i just kind of memorized it paragraph by paragraph like it was a new language almost and then uh, we had amazing uh, dancer, Loy, come in the studio. He's actually a really good friend of ours. We all just hang out together. We kind of worked on a choreography like together. And we wanted to sync the lyrics to the movement. It was actually really funny how we cracked that. Like we would write translations for the reverse lyric and look at where the key words are. So, Nasna Ambao Louis Arc Nimbel is like, Donny Vines up piercing through the only vein and then like at the vein b bit we have to do the move for the thorn bit and then uh <laughs> i can see you shaking it like no <laughs> no this is incredible i just can't believe that you pulled this off i just thought it would be really fun to torture myself a little bit Currently You know, kind of riffing off of this visual thing that we've been talking about, what kind of aesthetic framework did you put in place to 
conceptualize the world of Glitch Princess? Well, I wanted to depart from kind of this natural, earthy, like gothic renaissance-esque world that I built with Serotonin 2 by bringing it over into neo-technical kind of cyber-gothic mixed still mixed with hints of you know pre-raphaelite my love for renaissance and you know that era of like classics romantics will always be there but i wanted to express a part of me that was a bit more i think forceful like it's not gentle it was really forceful it needed to be a bit violent almost sanitized but technological and clean unbroken manufactured but still having those gentle notes in it i wanted to mix that both both of that into it and i got into really into the medical aesthetic studying the way medical equipment is made and how phones were designed or how cameras were designed how lenses were designed i was reading this book by are you familiar with Anne Balsamo's writing? I'm not. She wrote this uh, amazing collection of essays, which is now published under a book called Technologies of the Gendered Body. I was really interested in what if we gendered technology? Then I started reading more and more about the post-humanist theory, about you know how cyborgs, sexualization of cyborgs in film, and this idea of creating fembots and looking at neurological paths in the brain and then looking at the way motherboards function through a system and seeing connections between that and AI and artificial intelligence becoming self-aware and the way we become self-aware, looking at arguments against that and for that and thinking about perception of the way we treat technology, how much it serves us and how much we actually use it to progress. And then I think about maybe... The way we are perceiving each other as a human race is flawed. So I was thinking about all these things. That's why I use the gendered term princess, even though, I mean, I'm a she, they. But most times I I feel like I identify as non-binary because gender to me is like, it's so bizarre. It's more like I do appreciate the beauty of femininity. I think femininity can be so beautiful, so gentle, yet so powerful, you know. But a lot of past trauma has made me steer away from femininity sometimes there's some days where i just want to block out all femininity so that's why you know being fluid is complicated like that so back to the point of electronics i guess or electric neurological pathways it goes back to when i was a kid and i would personify my things because i would appreciate my things because of how much it served me and with artificial intelligence we appreciate it for the extent of which it serves us until it turns on us just like love, when you love someone, you will love it with all your heart until it turns on you. You know, so there's like always a threshold. There's always this fine line. This is something really weird I do is like when I get home, I say hello to my PC. When I turn it off, I say goodnight and like I kind of, I don't know why I do that. But like, I feel like the more nice I treat my, techno my technological devices, the more I kind of feel like they're nice to me too. Like I get less crashes, my GPU is functioning, peak performance levels, my CPU is cooled sufficiently. You know, I don't get weird glitches. If I do get glitches, I always feel like it's my computer trying to talk to me or like it's my electronics trying to tell me something from, from beyond. 
Okay, I just sound like crazy conspiracists right now, but please just, I don't know. You have a whole song called Friendly Machine. So, I mean, it tracks. There is one human voice that you corral into this project. And I was so thrilled to see that it's Toji. I love Toji. I think he's the future. I love him so much. He's the sweetest. How did that collaboration come about? Because it's so good. We're online friends. We've just been online friends. And um, actually, it was Daniel Hall who, I think it was in 2019, Daniel was like, hey, you should check out Toji's music. I was like, hey, actually, I know Toji because Toji was featured on Eastern Margins. Eastern Margins is a collective that promotes um, Southeast Asian and basically Asian acts. And, and I think what they're doing is amazing. And I know I knew of Toji back then, but we became connected and, and we just started to send each other things back and forth. And, you know, we were totally different sides of the planet but we just managed to like connect a lot with the stuff we were making and honestly like toji's i had a few real life sessions with him too and and i just really love the way he he gets into the flow like you can tell that when he has a vision he he really wants to express it in the way that he he knows it came up in his head and i can really relate to that so i think that was why we kind of like felt each other's work a lot but yeah no like yeah toji's great we're actually working on some more things together but it's really hard because um, we're not in the same city so there's always some like downsides to working remotely but we, we still like we have all these like crazy ideas together like when we're in the same room we just ping pong ideas to each other like okay we should do this and we should do this and then we should create this thing and do this thing and then you know this becomes this mess and it's really chaotic but almost like meditative almost you know you are always performing for a virtual audience and soon those people will manifest in rooms for your first shows around this project how are you planning on translating this work in a physical space my next show which i'm very excited i mean it's doing my head in but i'm really really excited because south bank was so kind to offer me to play a show in a personal room and it's a huge space and it's an installation and a show the next day so i get to show an installation of work which is basically a set that i'm building with uh, one of my long-term collaborators ling aio i'm also making it an installation that's um, collaborated with a bunch of other artists who i you know want to add into this final piece as like easter eggs to show like how much their work impacts my world um so it's a very collaborative set but it's um mostly to do with this idea of the hikikomori which is like um being a shut-in or like going on your computer and sim like simulating or like existing a different reality and like personal spaces and intimacy and all that it's called insecure and i think this installation mixed with live setup will really translate the virtual landscape that you know it's a challenge to manifest something in reality when i've been doing things digitally this whole time but it's such a beautiful experience to to go through with the process you know it can be very demanding on the mind but i have so much faith in it and i think it's going to be really amazing you will thank you so much this was such a thrill i'm so honored to have been able to speak with you about this project i'm so excited for the world to hear it and i'm so excited to see you in uh brooklyn this spring thank you sal thanks for having me that was yule talking to the faders salvatore Mackey. yule's new album glitch princess is out this friday february 4th via bayonet records the Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, 
and the associate producer is Salvatore Mackey. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a rating and a review. And don't forget to keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.